This episode is sponsored by Stuart Arango Oral Surgery. Learn more at saoralsurgeons.com. And Kathy L. Wall State Farm Agency. Learn more at kathylwall.com. Welcome to the Bubble Lounge. I'm Martha Jackson. And I'm Nellie Shudo. And we have a really exciting episode today. I cannot wait for you guys to meet our guest. We do. And he is Mr. Dunstan. Of Dunstan Steakhouse. Exactly. Which is such a like an iconic place here in Dallas. It really is. I mean, it's such, there's two locations, which a lot mm-hmm. of people I don't think know. There's one on Harry Hines, but the one on Lover's Lane, I think, is where people tend to go that live around here. Mm-hmm. And I was in there with a friend not too long ago. And of course, he was there. He came over and talked to us. And it was just like a history lesson of Dallas. And I thought, we got to have this guy on the show. Yeah, no, and he's he's charming. He's fun. He's 94, but you would think he was 70. He says he's 39. (laughs) (laughs) He's about to celebrate a big birthday. And what we thought was interesting is University Park is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. So if you think about it, he's been here almost as long as the city. Well, and you might just find out today where Texas toast came from. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a lot of claims to fame, which I love. And make sure you stay tuned to the end of the show because he is going to reveal who the most famous person who ever came in to Dunstan's is. Hey friends, if you love this episode or you're a fan of the Bubble Lounge podcast, follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just tap the follow button at the top of the screen if you're a fan of the Bubble Lounge. And even better, send me a text message with the word bubble to 469-757-2500. Just open your messages, type in my number 469-757-2500 with the message bubble. Once you send me a text, I will add you to our list and send you a text message whenever a new episode is published. So follow us on Apple Podcasts and make sure to send me a text so you'll never miss an episode. Welcome to the show, Mr. Dunstan. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Well, I hear that you have a birthday coming up. Yeah, I'll be 39 again. There you go. I, I stick to the same. By the way, I used to say 29. So, um, <laughs> well, I knew I was 10 years older than you. <laughs> exactly. I thought maybe eight, nine, something like that. Um, well, gosh, you're such a, you know, an icon here in Dallas. Tell us a little bit about how you worked your way from Alabama to Dallas. My mom and dad divorced when I was uh, 14 years old. Mom remarried. They wanted to leave Alabama. One said, I'd like to go to Miami. The other said, I'd like to go to Dallas. So he said, we just flip a coin. Heads of Dallas, tails Miami, it came up heads. <laughs> so I came here when I was uh, 15. Mm-hmm. Got a job washing dishes downtown Dallas as a topper hamburger stands. $15 a week on the graveyard shift. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked there for one year. And uh, my mom and stepdad had gone to work at a restaurant called the Silver Castle on Oklahoma Avenue. The night manager, uh, the night bartender, uh, counter person that uh, worked the graveyard shift quit. So mom said, well, I, my son might be interested in that job. So I wound up on the graveyard shift again. But I'm making $40 a week now, plus tips. So, And I worked there for six years, and uh, the guy sold the restaurant. And I didn't like the new owner. So a friend of mine owned a parking lot downtown, all right parking systems. So I went to work for him across from the Trailways bus station. And uh, I'd been there about six months, and 
guy drove up in a Cadillac with a cigar in his mouth. It looked like the mafia. <laughs> he said, I'm looking for Gene Dustin. I thought, well, hell, I guess he's going to kill me. <laughs> <clears throat> he said, I want to sell you a restaurant. I pulled out my billfold and I had $40. I said, I'll give you $40 for it. He said, I'm serious. He said, I got somebody to finance it. Yeah, I'd worked there six years. Somebody told us that if there's one person that could make a go of this restaurant, it'd be Gene Dustin. So he looked me up, and the guy that had the jukebox and cigarette machine loaned me the money to just to lease it. I was there for two years. Of course, I went broke three times the first year. But <laughs> That's the restaurant business. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ups and downs. And so uh, uh, what was it about your graveyard shifts that enticed you to want to be in the restaurant business? Well, the shift didn't matter as long as I got a check. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I was in a little town called Oxford, Alabama, and I quit school in ninth grade. My mother had a restaurant in Alabama, and all of a sudden that's all I knew. So I said, I better make the best of this because I don't know anything else, you know. Well, so your parents were in the restaurant industry as well. My mother was. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's in, in Alabama. In mm-hmm. Alabama. That's right. Well, I always love restaurants. I always say to people, I only worked in a restaurant once um, in New York City. And uh, it was one of my favorite jobs. Uh, there's something about a restaurant to me that is, because I'm an actor, like it's like setting the stage. Right. It's like I like backstage before the people arrive. It feels like you're backstage at a theater. You know, you're setting up the napkins and the table. And I feel the same way when I have a party. I, I like the idea of setting a stage. Do right. you feel like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, making people happy, you know. Mm-hmm. Just like at Lover's Lane, you look around and it's full of people and they're all happy. You know, all of a sudden you think, well, it's all worthwhile, mm-hmm. you know. Well, what led you to open Dunstan's in 1955? Okay, the, uh, I was at Silver Castle two years. And I only had a two-year lease. And the guy that sold me made it to Silver Castle. <clears throat> called me and said, Gene, I found you another restaurant called the Wheel Inn Restaurant out on Harry Hines Boulevard. Mm-hmm. I went out, and the lady had sold beer to miners for four different times, and they took her beer license. So, boy, she was sitting there dead in the water without beer. So I called a jukebox man. I said, I need some more money. So he loaned me the money to lease that place. Mm-hmm. I leased it for 350 a month. Mm-hmm. It would include land, building, and equipment. Eventually, I uh, bought the equipment from her. The landlord lived in New York. Now, I kept paying him 200 a month. And uh, he was a gay guy. He didn't have a family. So every time my wife would send him a check, she would tell him a story about what was going on and so forth. They became pen pals. And when he came to Dallas, we'd take him out to dinner. And uh, long story short, when he died, he left us the property. He willed wow. it to us. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a really amazing story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, the wheel in was, we had car hops, curb service. Uh-huh. You know, and I had a small dining room. But back 50s, 60s, Curb was a big deal, you know. We dressed the car hops up like the Kilgo Ranger is with short skirts and boots. And mm-hmm. We were causing traffic jams on here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something that we need to bring back. I think so, too. the car hops. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it would yeah. be, yeah. <laughs> it's like Sonic kind of does that. They do the outdoor Some service, do, but they yeah. need to put girls in short stir- skirts on roller skates or something. The only one, <laughs> Make it one fun. left is Keller Drive-In. They still uh, have the car hops. Mm-hmm. They have a couple of places. But when you have a car hop, you can't have liquor, right? You can now. Can you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we, we are in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Of course, most people drank beer, but now, you know, as after COVID, you didn't even serve margaritas to go and everything, mm-hmm. you know. That's the best oh, thing yeah. that came out of COVID, yeah. I feel true. like. That's true. That's <laughs> true. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> and we'll continue the interview after this short break. Finding an oral surgeon is hard enough for yourself, and when it comes to your kids, it can feel impossible. We suggest our friends at Stewart and Arango because from emergencies to wisdom teeth and everything in between, they have you covered. Stewart and Arango are board certified with MDs who specialize in full scope oral, facial, and implant surgeries for both children and adults. Not only is their office state-of-the-art, they lead the industry with the most advanced techniques and procedures. And when it comes to safety, they are pediatric and adult advanced life support certified and use a three-day local anesthesia, which keeps you comfortable while limiting the use of opioids. Best part is they're conveniently located at Northwest Highway and Hillcrest Avenue. So if you want the best of Big D caliber oral care, come see the friendly staff at Stuart Narango. To learn more about them or book your appointment, visit saoralsurgeons.com. That's saoralsurgeons.com. Hey, Park City's families, we all feel that pinch of rising home insurance, don't we? But there is a solution, and it's closer than you think. Meet Kathy L. Wall, State Farm Agency. She's not just our trusted show sponsor. She's also the expert you need to navigate these unpredictable insurance waters. Why get lost in a maze of policies and rates? Kathy has a knack for simplifying it all. Call 214-350-2692 or stop by kathylwall.com to schedule a meeting. She's ready to review your homeowner policy and pinpoint where you could be saving more money right now. We trust Kathy wholeheartedly, and once you chat with her, you'll see why. It's not just about rates. It's about trust, expertise, and peace of mind. So don't let rising homeowner insurance costs catch you off guard. Contact Kathy L. Wall State Farm Agency now at 214-350-2692 or visit kathylwall.com. With Kathy L. Wall on your side, you'll have an agent you can trust and help secure your family's future. So how did it become Dunstan's? How did, like, how did that happen? Okay. Uh, I, the wheel in, I had built onto it a couple of times, and, and I made a steakhouse. I still had the car hops, but I had a steakhouse. But we were using uh, gas grills, you know, to cook the steaks. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife and I would go to Kirby's Steakhouse on Greenville Avenue, and he would always be packed no matter what night you were there. And I told my wife, I said, we're going in the steak business. So that's when we started the stakes. And uh, later on, my brother and I bought a little airplane. And I had a friend that lived in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, I went out to uh, visit him, and he took me out to dinner. And that's when I discovered the Mesquite Pits, the Pinnacle Peak Steakhouse in Tucson. And I was fascinated by it. Big open grills over Mesquite Wood. And I asked the owner if I could copy his pit. And he said, yeah, you're a thousand miles from me. I don't care. Came back to Dallas. I got an engineer and took him to Tucson, and he drew the took pictures and drew the pit up. And I came back and put a pit in the middle of the dining room. It's a place on Harry Hines. And I had the first mesquite pit in Texas, and boy, with no just word of mouth, boy, business picked up four hundred percent. You know. Wow. Well, also just the idea. It's it's kind of like a show. There's something yeah. about seeing it, you know, this whole idea of open right, kitchens right. and seeing what's going on and seeing your food being made. But I had to build on another dining room. Business got so good. Then I drove by Lover's Lane one day, and uh, that was a couple of years later, and uh, there was a lease sign on it. So I thought, well, you know, I might look at it. So John Nyland, a Dallas Cowboy, had been there. 
and uh, he had a barbecue place. They said he had a manager that uh, he'd go to the bank with it, 10000 but the time he got to the bank, he only had 5000 So that's what he didn't last but 11 months. Mm-hmm. So I wound up leasing Lover Lane. You've been there ever <laughs> since, right? That was 1969. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. I have to ask you a question. Is uh, Johnny's Barbecue located near you? Or was it at some time? Uh-huh. Okay, I say that because I was out with a good friend of mine. That was years ago. Yeah, I was out with a good friend of mine, and it turns out her mother and stepfather owned that place. And they knew you, and she sent me this picture of them. I don't know if you know them. But she sent me the picture and said they used to know you well. Yeah, like they're familiar. Yeah, because they were down the street. I just thought that was interesting. Your name came up, and she was like, oh, my parents own Johnny's. Yeah, uh, and he was a plumber, too. Uh, he and I were good friends. Yeah. But, anyway, I thought it was funny to see the picture, like, during yeah. those days, you know? <laughs> it's a car lot now. Really? Okay. Yeah, right. wow. Well, I remember when you and I were talking at Dunstan's one time, we were talking about the salad bar and just how that came about, and I think that that's such a great story. Well, you can thank Steak and Ale for that. Exactly. Oh. What happened? I had been there five years and didn't have a salad bar. Steak and Ale opened around the corner. I wouldn't see my customers for a while. I said, where y'all been? They said, well, you know, Uh-oh. Steak and Ale has a salad bar. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, I'll fix that. So uh, I put in a salad bar. Steak and Ale's gone. I still got a salad bar. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's that's so brilliant because I think we would all eat a lot more salad if we had a salad bar in our own home. It's true. Yeah. You know, but you've made it so easy. You've got all the ingredients right there. So it's, it's still a big draw to this day to come in. As far as I know right now, I know we have the only steakhouse that has a salad bar. I don't know another salad bar. I think you're right. I don't. I can't think of a place with a salad bar. Yeah, and I want to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, I have a question for you. So, you know, just moving on to liquor for a minute. Um, is there like a specialty cocktail that you all serve that's your favorite? Oh, we have uh, several different cocktails. But the martinis are really famous there because mm-hmm. they shake it, give you a martini, and you have enough left in a shaker for another one. Oh, so that's you get nice. two for one. Well, two for so one it's really there. popular. Yeah. I love that. Right, right. Well, I don't know what you guys do differently, and I have a feeling that your daughter-in-law, Anna, over there had something to do with this, but your ranch waters, something about the way they're mixed tastes better than any other restaurant I go to in town. The, the what? <laughs> the ranch water. Maybe it's real ranch water. Do you actually put <laughs> ranch water? <laughs> well, it's just it's we'd just make them believe that, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. So, something exactly. about it's better, but it's so good. Well, so I heard that you are the founder of Texas Toast. Is that correct? That's right. And that's been around for a while. That's a huge deal. Really when I had the deal. Silver Castle, you know, my first restaurant, uh, we were open 24 hours, and breakfast was a big deal. Actually, I had a cook work work for me. And he said, uh, you know, I got an idea. Why don't we buy some toast, unsliced, and serve thick bread? And I said, fine. So we tried it. And boy, it caught on. And people, other restaurant people came just to see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And finally, Goldman Baking Company was in Oak Cliff. I was buying bread from him. And the owner came out, and he said, I just wonder why in the hell that Somebody's buying bread on slides. He said, that's never happened. He said, I just wanted to see what you were doing with it. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, he brought me a little box. It had slits in it. I could put the bread in it, slice it, where they'd all be the same size. Oh, that's perfect. (laughs) Then eventually, he put in a slicing machine. That was bigger. That was, uh, well, 
people started ordering. He named it Texas Toast. Oh, he's the guy who named it. Interesting. Yeah, we called it uh, Chuck Wagon Bread. <laughs> I actually like that. Chuck I like Chuck Wagon like Bread. But he got the idea from me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I know working in the restaurant business and, and being it as long as you have, you must have some really funny stories that you can share with us. A funny story? Yeah. yeah any crazy we, customers? We like to laugh here at the Bubble Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> One time there was two guys in. They were about drunk. It was at the wheelie. Uh, Dust is on here, huh? Mm-hmm. And... They were drunk. They were pretty loud, you know. And uh, I went over and I said, "Sir, uh, y'all gonna have to quieten down." He said, "Hun, we're just talking." And I'm telling you, that struck me so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've never forgot it. Hun, we're just so talking. So there were a couple. <laughs> it was a no two men. Oh yeah, but I just assumed men. they were a couple. <laughs> he said, "Hun, we're just talking." <laughs> I couldn't get mad at them anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They charmed the pants off you. You know, you're like, okay, whatever, yeah. they can stay. <laughs> Do you have a product or business you want to introduce to families in Highland Park? Then we want to work with you. With over 140,000 listeners and more than 200 episodes and a strong Instagram community, the Bubble Lounge Podcast is the perfect way to connect with families in the Park Cities. Visit bubblelounge.net to learn more. Aside from your restaurant, you know, you're, you know, you're, what are you turning this year? What's your, how old are you going to be this birthday? 93. Okay. So obviously you look great and you're very young. What, like, tell us about what you do outside of the restaurant that keeps you young. I don't have any hobbies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Work is my hobby, really. But, well, maybe it's the love of the work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Staying active and loving your job. I, uh, I really don't have any hobbies. Well, you're extremely sociable, and I've seen you at other restaurants as well. And I think that that, you know, just interacting with the people just does so much for anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just good for the soul to get out and talk to, to people and get to know new people. Well, I'm sure that's part of the secret of your success is the fact that you're so involved in the restaurant, that you are, you're the face of the restaurant. You're there. People know you're going to be there. They know where to find you. Right, you know, that right. makes a difference. Right. One of my customers said, Gene, you ever going to retire? I said, I got three reasons not to. Number one, I like the money. The other two don't matter. <laughs> I love it when they ask me that. Yeah. I don't believe in retirement, so I'm, I'm, I agree with you. Unless you're starting a new business, a new job. Right, right. <laughs> what do you feel like working in the restaurant business has taught you about humankind? Because I feel like that you just learned so much about people while spending that much time at a restaurant. Yeah, you learn all kind of different people, you know, and uh, customers are in different moods. Uh, but when they leave, we try to make them happy. You know, they might come in not feeling good and everything, but we try to make them feel good before they leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the way we built our business. We never did advertise very much. I do think that that's something that's missing from a lot of current restaurants is they're just kind of wanting to get you in and out and turn those tables over and just, you know, it's all about the money. It's about the money for you too, but I love that you went to make your customers happy and I, it really shows when you come in. Well, one thing, how many restaurants you go in that today, this day and time and see the owner? Exactly. Very you true. Know, most yeah. of the chain restaurants, you never see the owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're a group that owns the restaurant so or something. There's not yeah. many of us left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That definitely sets you apart. Well, that's the restaurant I worked at in New York was a guy who was an ex-model, and he hired actors and models, et cetera, to work in his restaurant, and he was there all the time. And that I think that was the secret. It was called Jim McMullins. It was named after him, and he was there every single night, and that's what really drew people in, was feeling right. like it was like their family hangout. Exactly. You know? Because right, right. I bet you have a lot of regulars who come in, 
you know, several times a week. Oh, we have a lot of We have people come every day. Yeah. You couldn't make it in a restaurant business without regular customers. Yeah. You're not going to get new customers every day. So you got to have regular. Yeah. Well, it's packed every time I've ever been in there. And you guys put in kind of a new addition a couple of years ago, and you're using that back space that used to use for meetings for a new thing, right? Yeah. It used to be the banquet room. Uh-huh. And now we made a little speakeasy now. It's just pretty neat. It's really neat. I like that. That's the big trend, the speakeasy these days. That's right. It was before, and now it's back again. You know, but and everyone's been there. Tell people, hey, but we haven't advertised at all. It's just word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, especially after sports games. You run into all the parents in there. Right. And what I like about it is, it seems like most places in town have been taken over by the younger audience, and I like that people are in my age range. Yeah, we have <laughs> young people and older and all ages. Uh-huh. And everybody feels comfortable there. Yeah, That's right. it's a lot of fun. And then you always have the games on, too, in there. That's right. Yeah, I think that was brilliant. And so when you uh, when you were growing up in Alabama, did you ever think you'd be a restaurant owner? Was this something no, you ever I'm thought about? Or it just happened? I just tried to make one day at a time back then. Mm-hmm. My dad was a sharecropper. Okay. And, you know, we moved every year. I went to a different school every year. Mm-hmm. Finally, I just gave it up. But <laughs> <laughs> school, you just gave up school. <laughs> well, I went to California with my dad after mom didn't had divorced for six months. And, mm-hmm. and then, but meanwhile, mom had moved to Dallas, so I came to Dallas from California. Okay, I lived in a tent in Los Angeles. Did you really? Yeah, I came to Dallas from Los Angeles too, but I didn't live in a tent. Yeah, I don't have as good of a story as you. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? We worked at a pipe shop, people were stealing the pipes. You know, because they were on this big yard. So the owner said, if I go to Sears and buy y'all a big tent, we all consider moving in it. We were living in a hotel downtown. So, yeah, we're going to get free rent. So Yeah, we'll live in a tent. <laughs> so we moved in a tent. My granddaughter went to USC, and I was telling her that I'm one of the few people that lived in the city limits of L.A. in a tent. You know, <laughs> she loved that story. Today, that might not be so. Yeah, you might not be the only person living in Dallas. It's a little bit more of the norm now. Well, Mr. Nunson, you've obviously been in the Dallas area for quite some time and have met a ton of people. Tell us how things have changed since the beginning of time and up to now. Okay, in 1969, when we opened the restaurant, the Inwood Shopping Center was all run down. It was 70% vacant. That area was pretty dead. Mm-hmm. No, I was losing money every month at the restaurant. Trammell Crow bought the shopping center, completely remodeled it, and brought it back to life. But anyway, uh, I will tell a quick story about uh, when I was losing money. Well, I told my wife, I said, it was taking everything Harry Hines made to keep it going. I said, we don't sell this damn place. <laughs> <laughs> I even listened with a realtor. The guy came in and said, I know a guy in Little Rock, Arkansas, looking for a restaurant in Dallas. He gave me his name and everything, and I caught a plane, went to Little Rock, and talked to him. He said, yeah, and he said, I'll come see you in two or three weeks. But he had all you could eat uh, chicken and all you could eat fish, and he had a big business. I waited three or four weeks, and he never showed up, but I got an idea. So I put in all you could eat steak and all you could eat catfish. Mm-hmm. I read an ad in the newspaper, and boy, business picked up, and I started making money, and I took it off the market. But if that guy had came from Little Rock, Dustin probably wouldn't have been there. So it was fake. Yeah. I like that. That was a smart uh, 
changing up the business, yeah. you know, I'm sure that attracts And Fran McCrow had bought the shopping center and brought it back to life and things, things got better. Well, how do you know, University Park is turning 100 this year, which is kind of interesting. So what other changes have you seen? Like, uh, I mean, do you, it doesn't all the real estate look new today? It does to me. And I've only been here for like 10 years. It feels like there's a constant change. For example, on Lover's Lane, all those little houses used to be there. Now they're all businesses, law offices Mm -hmm. and different things. Nobody lives on Lover's Lane anymore. Mm -mm. I mean, you know, it's. All businesses now. When I came there, it was all small frame houses. Yeah. And then going back for just a minute, when you said the restaurant wasn't doing so well, one of the other things that helped business boom was the fact that some of the country clubs were closed on Mondays. Oh, yeah. The uh, Dallas Country Club closed Mondays, and uh, they started coming to my place. And uh, they named it the Mansion on Lover's Lane. The mansion. The mansion. I love it. Because they used to go to the <laughs> mansion on Mondays. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So they started coming to dust, and they named the mansion on Lover's Lane. Mm-hmm. Then nice. one day, the ladies owned the mansion, which uh, said, that's Miss Hunt. And I went over and visited with her, sat down, had a glass of wine with her. And I said, what are you doing here anyway? She said, well, I'd heard about the Dust is on Lover's Lane. I just had to come see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm going to come in and see tonight. Are you going to be there tonight? Yeah. Her, her <laughs> name was Caroline Hunt. Okay. Yeah. If you're going to be there, do you have any suggestions? I, I assume I'm going to have a steak and a salad bar. Steak and salad bar and baked potatoes, what everybody wants. All right. You can't you, go wrong with most that. Most of the ladies order the filet mignon, mm-hmm. baked potatoes, salad bar, and a martini. Okay, I'm going to have to try that double martini. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So are you going to Lovers or to Harry Hines? Harry Hines. Oh, very nice. Yeah, we're venturing out. (laughs) All right. Where are you going tonight? When? 6.30. You're going to Lover Lane, aren't you? No, the other one. Where are you going to be? I'm going to be at Lover Lane. Oh, then we'll have to switch it up. better relook. We'll switch it up for you. Yeah. (laughs) We'll come to Lover's Lane. (laughs) I can relax at Lover Lane. At Harry Hines, they put me to work. Oh, they do? Okay. <laughs> I have yet to go to Harry Hines, so next time I am going to head that way. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a treat just to hear you recount everything that's gone on in Dallas and just how the restaurant started. Yeah. And people, you can go visit on Lover's Lane. Tell us the address. Yeah, yeah 5423 West Lover's Lane. Well, and also just your passion for what you do makes it really, yeah. you know, attractive to everybody just your passion for life and for what you do makes you me want to go to your restaurant all the you time you didn't ask me the most famous person to have been in my oh restaurant. we didn't well who is it reba mcintyre oh wow oh, that's impressive I'll tell you a quick story yes please chat she with came her? in for lunch uh-huh. on harry hines and he was a gentleman and lady with her and the hostess said did anybody ever tell you you look like reba mcintyre <laughs> she said yeah all the time <laughs> <laughs> she still didn't know it was her she went to the office my wife and daughter were in there and uh she says, a lady out here looks just like Reba McIntyre. And my wife went out and she said, that is Reba McIntyre. And we, <laughs> and she took a picture with us. Yeah. Anyway, she's going to sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that would be And maybe nice she'll come she... to your place after. Exactly. <laughs> for a steak and salad bar. <laughs> I asked her, I said, what are you doing here anyway in Dustin? She said, because she flew in on a private jet. And she said, they looked it up at the, the nearest steakhouse to Love Field and the one on Harry Hines came up. That's a good claim to fame. I know. It really is. It's great. I had to see that picture. Well, thank you so much for being here today. 
Oh, it's my pleasure. It's been a real privilege meeting you and getting to know you. And that's been another episode of The Bubble Lounge. I'm Nellie Shudo. And I'm Martha Jackson, and we'll catch you next time. 